You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Evan Roberts podcast, Full Gear 2021. Now, let's get things out in the open. This is not an instant reaction. I am not recording this at 11.45 after Full Gear 2021. I'm recording it 12 hours later. Uh, my intention was to do an instant reaction, but I ran into a slight problem. And that slight problem is I got my COVID booster shot yesterday morning. And at about 9.30, 9.45, I started to really feel it. So I was in no place to record any kind of podcast at 11.30, 11.45. And not only that. I need to come clean. While I overall enjoyed this event and felt it was worth the $50, I fell asleep and missed about three matches. And it had nothing to do with the matches. It had to do with the way I felt. Now, the good news is, despite missing CM Punk against Eddie Kingston, despite missing the women's championship match, despite missing the waste of time known as the inner circle in their battle against the MMA guys, I did wake up in time for the main event. And I was very mixed about how I would book this. Now, I admit, unlike many of the other diehard AEW fans, I'm into the new promotion, but I haven't watched every second of it. I've slowly gotten into it. It is a very good product, I admit. So I didn't have that same emotional, I guess, connection to Hangman Page and how long they kind of built this up between him and Omega being a tag team, the split, they fought last year at Full Gear, he disappears, then he comes back. And so I guess if I was fully, fully emotionally invested in this whole thing, I'd probably be on the side of this is perfect for Paige to win the title. But I went into the main event feeling it's not time for Kenny Omega to drop the title. I just felt that way. And, and I think a part of it was the Danielson-Omega match a few months ago. Well, I guess it was less than a few months ago. Whenever it was at Arthur Ashe Stadium was so good, was so electric, that we needed a proper conclusion to that short-lived feud. And so when you look at the lineup of matches for Full Gear 2021, to me, and I admit, I think I'm in the minority on this because viewing Twitter, talking to friends of mine, everybody was in on Hangman winning this match. Everybody was in on Hangman finally getting the title. I kind of viewed it as Omega defends the title. Danielson gets that number one contendership, and now we get the rematch, this time for the AEW championship. And I'm sure Omega and Danielson will have a match. They'll have a rematch from that draw that they had at Arthur Ashe. I get it. But I don't know. It just felt like it needed to be for the championship. And right now, you know, unless Danielson takes the title from Paige, which I guess is possible, we're not going to have it that way. But I will admit, as that match was going on, Omega Page, it was a hell of a match. I mean, the wrestling at full gear was was through the roof. I mean, you can't sit here criticizing it. Led by the opening match between MJF and Darby Allen, which I'll get to in a second. It was a tremendous main event. 
It featured a lot of moments where you thought, okay, now it's over. And then the way it ended was intriguing. The way it ended with having the Young Bucks kind of look on as Paige seals the deal for the victory leads you to wonder, well, what's next? Where does this go? Is this just them showing a great respect for Hangman Page? Does this lead to a split with Omega? Where the hell does it go besides Hangman Page winning the championship? So I thought it was a great main event. Even though I went into the card hoping Omega would retain and keep this year-long run continuing, uh, I think when you see the hype video and you see the way the crowd was all over Page, who probably is the most over guy right now, at least at the event last night. I think he's more over than Danielson. I mean, there were people in the Danielson-Miro match rooting for Miro. So, I mean, Danielson's over, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's the number one over guy. And the only reason CM Punk gets such a big hand is because everyone loves that dopey song. I'll get to CM Punk in a second. I didn't even see the match, but trust me, I got opinions on CM Punk. So we get ourselves a title change, and we get ourselves the intrigue of how do you move forward with the elite, and how do you move forward with Hangman Page? As far as the event was concerned, first of all, I had to make a, a decision, which I think a lot of us have to make, and that's how do you order this event? Because the last pay-per-view that they had all out, I ordered on Bleacher Report Live, and naively, I figured I'll start the event when I get to it. You know, 10 o'clock at night, I'll, I'll start the event. I'm going to do other things with my kids, with my wife. I'm not going to just sit there in front of the TV watching this thing live. I mean, it's 2021. When do we ever sit in front of the TV watching things live? We never do that. And I realized how effed up the Bleacher Report app is that you can't pause it, you can't rewind, and you certainly can't start from the beginning. So I had to wait 24 hours till the next day to watch it when it was finally made on demand. So this year I was debating, well, if I order it on pay-per-view, I can record it and pause it. But me and my wife weren't feeling great, you know, based on this uh, booster shot. So I figured, ah, let's just watch this crap live. But even watching it live, I had major issues because what was the spot I wanted to see again? Uh, I think it was, man, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the Omega Page match. Was it that one? There was one match where one of the wrestlers pulled, you know what? It was the Omega Page match where they pulled the referee in front of the other guy to take a hit. And Jim Ross says that was an accident. And the other announcers are saying, no, 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 no. He did that one on purpose. AEW never shows us a replay. I'm like, oh, no big deal. I'll go look for a replay myself. I hit the rewind button, and then I realize, oh, yeah, you can't rewind. So it is difficult to watch an event when if you have to go to the bathroom, if you have to piss, you have to stand up and run to pee. If you want to get some food, you got to run up to get food. It's like you're at the event live. No, no, no. The beauty of being at home is that you could pause it. And to AEW's credit, until, you know, I fell asleep, which I admit had nothing to do with the event. It had to do with the, uh, the feelings that I had, how I was feeling. There was never a moment where you felt comfortable getting up to pee. And that's a compliment. The show had so much action. The show featured so little fluff. That from the beginning of the night on, there was never a moment where you said, all right, I'm going to go pee. I'm going to go, you know, get some ices. That's me. I, I eat ices, Luigi's at night. You never really felt that ability to do it because it was an action pack uh, hard. And it's funny, when they opened the show with MJF Darby Allen, which I'll get more into in a second, and then they go Lucha Brothers FTR, and then they go Danielson Miro, 
One of the worries I had was this crowd's going to be dead by the time you get to the main event. You're going to wear the crowd out, which is exactly what I saw at Arthur Ashe when they opened it with Omega against Danielson. And that match ends. It was amazing. It was incredible. And then we never had that same energy the rest of the card. I give the crowd credit in Minneapolis. They had pretty good energy the entire night. So even though, you know, for the first hour and a half, it's just nonstop excellent wrestling, excellent wrestling matches. Close one, two, oh, he breaks out of it. Despite all of that, despite all the close finishes, false finishes, despite all the incredible moves, the crowd kind of kept its energy for 345, for three hours and 45 minutes, because it was a long event. Now, as far as MJF Darby Allen's concerned, look, in my opinion, I've made this clear on Twitter the last few days, MJF is the best thing they have going. He is living the heel gimmick. I think he's good enough in the ring where his gimmick and his mic skills and his personality take him to another level. I'm not telling you he's Ric Flair. I'm not telling you he's the greatest wrestler in the world. But he's got it going on right now. And what I thought was awesome during this match with Darby is that there were a lot of people in the crowd rooting him on. When we were at Arthur Ashe Stadium, I thought I was the one guy in the crowd cheering him. Because I, I think he's awesome. I think he's the best thing AEW has going. I'd rank him number two in pro wrestling right now behind Roman Reigns as far as the best thing going. And so it was interesting to hear the crowd putting some support behind him. And that's despite the fact you got JR and Tony Schiavone right at the beginning saying, nobody's rooting for MJF. You can't find one person in the crowd rooting for MJF. And I'm thinking to myself, are you freaking kidding me? Eventually, the sporadic cheers he gets, it's going to turn into full-fledged cheers. Eventually, I think the crowd's going to love this guy. He can insult the cities as much as he wants. The guy's got it going on. And I thought there were some cool things in this match. Like that rolling all over the ring in a small package. I don't know. I, I feel like I've never seen that before. <laughs> so it was innovative. It was innovative. And then I thought they had the perfect ending. I mean, it was the perfect MJF is the number one heel going in this business ending where he does. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the MJF uh, Darby Allen match was the match who had the pulling the referee in front. I think it was actually that match where I couldn't go check out the replay. But a perfect ending in this match with MJF using that ring sucker punch and then uses the side headlock to get the victory. I thought it was awesome. And I don't know when. Maybe it'll be a few months. But MJF for the title picture is the future. And now that you've got the belt on a face in Hangman Page and potentially another face down the road in Brian Danielson, MJF's title run, it's coming. It's coming, but excellent match. I mean, a really good 30-plus minute match. I'm not surprised MJF won. He should win. He's the guy. And yes, I think we all got a kick out of Jim Ross calling Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy, and MJF the four pillows of AEW. Again, couldn't rewind it to confirm he said four pillows of AEW, but I'm pretty damn sure he said the four pillows of AEW as opposed to the four pillars of AEW. But this is what makes good old JR great. Who cares if he's old and can't remember what the hell he's saying? It doesn't matter. He's Jim effing Ross. All right, now I'm going to crap on a match. Lucha Bros FTR. Yes, there was a lot of false finishes. Yes, there was a lot of action. Yes, there was a lot of great moves. It was too much. That was my problem. It was too much. And this is the 
I think the issue you run into when you have as many false finishes as AEW has, there's a moment where it becomes old. There's a moment where it's like, all right, I've seen this. And I thought the Lucha Bros FTR match went about five minutes too long. Again, they gave them a lot of time, and I understand why they do that, and I think that's great. You're not having rushed matches, but just because you give guys a lot of time doesn't mean you have to take every second of it. The Eddie Guerrero tributes, that was fine. I think it was the anniversary, unfortunately, of Eddie passing away. And then the ending of the match, maybe this is why I felt it went too long. Yeah, there was a lot of action. Yeah, there were a lot of false finishes. And overall, it was exciting. I just think it went on too long. The ending made no sense. I mean, you got one of the, uh, I forget if it was Dax or Cash, putting a mask on. And then like the weird, like a weird, obscure ending to the match. It was just, it was awkward. You know, pound for pound, it was a fine match, but it went way too long and had a terrible ending. Daniel Sinmiro, also known as Daniel Bryan against Rusev. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I looked this up because I was, I was curious. I was thinking to myself, say, here's a WWE match in AEW. Two guys, I don't want to say they made their name in WWE because obviously Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson became a star even before that, but they became mainstream in WWE. And I remember when TNA had stolen all the, not even stolen, but got all the WWE talent. You know, when you had Booker T, Kurt Angle, and TNA, it felt awkward. What was kind of cool about this is as this match is starting, I'm thinking to myself, I don't think they ever had a feud in the WWE. Like, just because you think of Rusev slash Miro, Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan as WWE guys, there's no program that jumped out at me. So I searched it to see, did these guys ever even fight? And outside of a couple of random house shows, they never had a program with each other. So that 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 is kind of cool because I think that to have a WWE feud in AEW, it's got to be special and it's got to be different. I thought that was one of the big issues WCW had, and even like I mentioned, TNA had, where you take these feuds that we've seen before and you're doing it again under a different banner. What was kind of cool about Danielson Miro is they never really fought in WWE. When you think about it, it makes sense because Danielson was retired for a couple of years. That's when Rusev was getting his push. So they kind of never really had the opportunity to feud with each other, but it was a very good match. Um, it was the perfect Danielson psychological wrestling match, which is, I think, a part of why he's in AEW. I think he loves to have these wrestling matches uh, where the story is being told to you the entire time. And look, I don't know what they do with Miro next, but Brian Danielson needs a title shot. And here's why. And this relates to CM Punk. I get that AEW brought in these megastars and there's this thought, well, well, they don't need titles. They don't need title matches. And I know there's a lot of people that feel that way. I completely disagree from this standpoint. Professional wrestling is about being a champion. Now, WWE's veered off on that sometimes, where it's about revenge or it's about that guy cheating on his wife with this guy, and it became storyline soap operas in the late 90s, early 2000s. And sometimes you get away from the ultimate goal of pro wrestling, which is you want to be the world champion. That's what this whole thing is about. And so to have CM Punk not involved in the championship tournament made no sense to me. I love the fact that AEW really emphasizes win-loss records. I think it's great. And they've maintained that for two and a half years. MJF's taken on Darby Allin. We know their records. We know MJF's 28-7. and The Lucha Bros are 13-1 and in 2021. Brian Danielson's 8-0-1. I think that's awesome. And I hope they continue to do that. But you contradict yourself 
when CM Punk has not lost a match, he's quote-unquote the best in the world, and he's not in the championship picture. And so, even though it would have been a part of the story, if Danielson loses this match to Miro, and he's out of the title picture, you have one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling that you got to jump ship, and he's not in the title picture? Now, I get that you don't want to immediately put someone in the title picture. You want to slowly build them that way. You want to slowly put them in the title picture. Totally get that. But to have CM Punk and Brian Danielson avoid fighting for the ultimate prize, which is the world championship, would make no sense. So I thought it was great that Danielson got the win. And I think the way they've booked Brian Danielson has been great. He came in and said, I'm here to kick everybody's ass. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to be champion. Right out of the gate, he's got the feud or the match with Kenny Omega. Fantastic. Right after that, he's in the championship eliminator tournament. Fan-freaking-tastic. And now Brian Danielson doesn't give a crap if it's Adam Hangman Page or Kenny Omega or whomever. He's trying to win a championship. And we'll talk if he should win the championship, but the point is, the mindset is perfect and it makes sense. I'm here to win a title. What the hell is CM Punk here for? And that's why... I think the way they've booked CM Punk is sucked. I got to tell you. I know we got the huge pop in Chicago and everybody's excited. Who the hell is this CM Punk? Now, if they're slowly building to make him a badass heel who wants to prove he's the champion, great. I wait for that day to happen. And while, and I admit, I didn't see the match against Eddie Kingston because I was passed out. The booking for that match, I thought, was pretty good. And I think it's the best thing they've done with CM Punk. It, It bothers me. That CM Punk of all people who had that incredibly long championship title reign. CM Punk who always said, I, I'm a failure because I didn't main event WrestleMania. That CM Punk, he doesn't give a crap about being champion. He's here to, to make guys better. Remember when he did that promo? I'm here to make guys better. Well, what? What are you, a coach? No, you're CM Punk. Grow a pair of balls. What are we doing? Anyhow, I didn't see that match. I, I heard it was good. <laughs> I, I, part of me feels bad ripping the CM Punk angle when I didn't see the match, but I passed out. What do you want from me? I am disappointed I passed out. I will go back and watch that match. The inner circle MMA thing, I couldn't give two craps about. I will not go back and watch that. Uh, the Britt Baker match, I'll rewatch. I like her. I don't think there's any other woman in that division that kind of excites me, but Britt Baker's a star. They've done a good job making her a star. Packing Cody Rhodes against Malachi Black and Andrade. That's when I started falling asleep. I blame Cody Rhodes. It's his fault. And I'm with everybody who's booing him. You know what Cody Rhodes needs to do? And I mean this with with peace and love and respect. I think he needs to go away. And, And I think the reason he needs to go away is right now AEW has a loaded roster. And I read, because again, I was sleeping, Jay Lethal is coming in. Good for him. I remember him imitating Macho Man and Ric Flair in TNA. He's a tremendous imitator. So good for him. But they have a really, really deep roster. And they only have, you know, besides AEW Dark, three hours of programming every single week. The hour of Rampage, the two hours of Dynamite. I think a part of the problem with Cody Rhodes is, right now we don't need to see him. When AEW first started, he was important to this roster. He was important to be there. He gave them credibility. I just don't think he's necessary anymore. So send them away for a while. Like anybody in pro wrestling, when they come back after a year or two, everybody gets excited. You get your cheap pop. So I just don't think we need to see him. And the truth is, I fell asleep during that match. I don't even know who won. 
And you know what's great? I don't care who won. Doesn't even matter to me. But overall, despite missing three matches, it was a very, very good event. Now, what do you do next? Are we getting Danielson, Adam Page? I have no problem, by the way, with Danielson, Adam Page, let's say in four weeks, because I don't know if they're going to wait for the next pay-per-view, which if I'm not mistaken is Revolution. I have no problem with Danielson just beating him and taking the title. Because so far, AEW has had four champions over the... How many years has it been now? Two and a half years, three years they've been in existence. Yeah, Jericho is the inaugural champion, which made complete sense, gave them credibility. You had Moxley beating Jericho, and good luck to John Moxley, who's in rehab right now, and hopefully he'll be back healthy soon. Then you had Omega for almost a year, and now you got Paige. You've had three champions that held the title for a pretty good chunk of time. It's okay. It is. It's okay to only be champion for a few weeks. Now, you don't want to hot shot it all the time, like WWE used to do during the Attitude Era, but I don't think there's anything wrong with Brian Danielson beating the crap out of Adam Page. A great match, you know, 25-minute classic, and Danielson taking the title. And I think it's important for Danielson to take the title. Now, if you don't want it in three or four weeks, fine. You want to make this take a couple of months, maybe it's a series of matches, whatever you want to do. But when you add a big-time superstar in the prime of his career, because I still think he's in the prime of his career, and you got this guy who main-evented WrestleMania less than a year ago. He was in the effing main event of WrestleMania. There was nothing wrong with putting the belt on Brian Danielson. And I don't buy. He doesn't need it. He is a professional wrestler whose goal is to be champion. He's not there to be an attraction. He's not the Undertaker in 1996. He's there to beat everybody's ass and become champion. But here's what AEW did so well with their event on Saturday night. At least for me. They have me coming back saying, hmm, what do you have for us next? Thank you for listening to this sort of instant reaction to AEW Full Gear on the Evan Roberts Podcast. You could listen to Craig and I Monday through Friday on WFAN at 2 o'clock. Goodbye.